Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Pastor Megan. We are now in the season of Lent as a Christian church, this time of the year where we might be a bit more intentional about seeking a deeper relationship with God, both within ourselves and within our worshiping communities. This is never an easy task, but it is especially difficult when we're feeling lost in life or even perhaps abandoned or betrayed by our faith. I certainly have had times where I've felt distant from God and stuck in a situation I didn't ask for or anticipate. And I imagine that's been true for you too. The Bible has a way of personifying that emotional storm that comes with navigating a time of uncertainty and fear. It's called wandering in the wilderness. The wilderness is a pretty common setting for many Bible stories and many major Bible figures. But today we read about none other than Jesus' own experience in the wilderness. It's the story that often opens the season of Lent. And it goes like this. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. 
Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Let's let this story from Matthew settle in. Maybe even replay it a few times if you like, or read it from your personal Bible before continuing on to this next little reflection. I don't know if many of you read a lot of poetry. I personally don't have a habit of it. But every once in a while, someone will share a poem with me that just hits me between the eyes and goes straight to the heart. Teresa Keller, our beloved visitation chaplain here at St. Paul, shared one such poem with the whole staff, and that poem has just been stirring in my mind ever since. It's titled, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. I'll read for us a portion. Here it goes. You're planning a vacation to Italy. You're all excited. You get a whole bunch of guidebooks, you learn a few phrases so you can get around, and then it comes time to pack your bags and head for the airport. Only, when you land, the stewardess says, Welcome to Holland. You look around in disbelief and shock, saying, Holland? What are you talking about? I signed up for Italy. But they explain there's been a change of plan, that you've landed in Holland and there you must stay. But I don't know anything about Holland, you say. I don't want to stay. But stay you do. You go out and buy some new guidebooks. You learn some new phrases, and you meet people you never knew existed. The important thing is that you are not in a bad place filled with despair. You're simply in a different place than you had planned. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy, but after you've been there a little while and catch your breath, you begin to discover that Holland has windmills. Holland has tulips. But everyone else you know is busy coming and going from Italy. They're all bragging about what a great time they had there. And you'll say, yes, that's what I had planned too. You have to accept that pain because the loss of that plan is significant. But 
if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't go out to Italy, you will never be free to enjoy the very special, very lovely things about Holland. There are several reasons why I connect with this poem and why I hope many of you might too. For starters, I absolutely love to travel, especially internationally. And I am definitely a planner. So I pride myself on reading up on my travel destinations before I get there. If I'm being perfectly honest though, planning for me isn't just about getting that full cultural experience. It's also about my anxious desire to be in control of all those time and the resources that I've packed into the trip. I imagine that's true for some of you too. Like whenever you go out of town, maybe to visit relatives, I bet you know exactly when you're leaving and how you'll get there, maybe where you'll even eat on the road and who you'll travel with. And yet, no matter how carefully we might plan for a trip, no matter how many surprise scenarios we can work out ahead of time, plans sometimes miss the mark. Sometimes, instead of landing in Italy, you land in Holland. I'm talking, of course, not just about traveling necessarily, but also about any scenario where we end up in a place that was not the original intended outcome. Would you believe, in fact, that Emily Pearl Kingsley didn't really write Welcome to Holland about an Italian vacation gone wrong? She actually wrote it about her experience becoming a mother to her daughter with Down syndrome. Never in a million years did she or her husband plan for that journey when they sat down and did their family planning. I bet every one of you, like me, has experienced your own sorts of Holland journeys. I've certainly landed in uncharted territory before. I imagine you have too. Like I recently learned that over 40% of people today who get married ended up filing for divorce instead of living with that partner that they imagined they'd spend their whole life with till death do them part. Or as a pastor, I've talked with so many of you who are nearing the age of retirement, and for a long time you've had a very well thought out plan for how you are going to live those final years, where you'll do it, you've saved incredibly responsibly, and then out of nowhere an awful illness will take hold. And those well laid out, well thought out plans for many years get completely upheaved and redirected. Those are all examples of landing in Holland, in the words of Emily Pearl Kingsley. But the Bible has another term for landing in Holland. It's called wandering in the wilderness. Like when the Jewish people escaped from Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until they were allowed into the promised land. Or there was that prophet Elijah who fled from persecution into the desert. And on the surface, those wilderness wanderings look absolutely desolate, full of despair and dread. 
I mean, Elijah was so terrified and overwhelmed after just one day in the wilderness that he prayed to God that he might just die and be done with it all. The Israelites were no different. As they meandered through the wilderness, they prayed constantly to God and asked and begged Moses that they might go back to Egypt. Better to be enslaved, they thought, than to be wandering in the wilderness. It's natural then for any of us to picture the wilderness as a place of desolation. Somewhere people end up where they get lost or derailed from their predetermined paths. You can see how some even come to imagine the wilderness as a place of punishment or worse, abandonment when someone has strayed from the path that God has led them down. But that's not the message that we get from today's gospel. Today's story about Jesus' own 40-day experience in the wilderness. When we find Jesus in the wilderness, he's not trapped in the desert out of some kind of disobedience. The guy was barely baptized after all. He probably hadn't even dried off yet. So it strikes us as completely wrong for God to just turn around and hand that beloved son over to the devil. What kind of an all-loving, all-powerful Lord would do that? It doesn't make sense. The story of Jesus in the wilderness doesn't make sense until we remember that we worship a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The triune God didn't mislead an innocent soul into a place of suffering and temptation. No, God chose to be in the wilderness. God led God's self into that place of wandering, that uncharted, unexpected territory where countless of God's children had and would be. In a way, it's one of Jesus' very first acts of solidarity with humanity. It's like God's way of saying, me too. I've been there in that place of insecurity and uncertainty and fear. Perhaps that's way of God showing us that there is no place so isolated or desolated that God's spirit hasn't been there too. There's no scenario or destination so bleak that God has not passed through first ahead of us and come out on the other side. That's the thing about the wilderness. The wilderness can look dangerous and doom-filled from the start, but God has a history of seeing people through it. From the Israelites to Elijah to then even Jesus himself, God's Spirit leads people into the wilderness and they come out the other side, more ready than ever to step into that promised future. Over and over again, we see how the wilderness is not so much a place of desolation as it is a place of preparation. Preparation for the relationships and the ministries that God has in store for all of God's beloved. That's a big part of why the church kicks off the Lenten season with this story. Because Lent is when we get to enter into a time of preparation too. A time when we might ask, how can we ready ourselves 
to follow where the Spirit leads us. Or maybe to put another way, how can we stick as close to God as God sticks to us, especially when life takes us to unexpected places? Wandering in the wilderness certainly comes with its moments of pain and loss. If you've planned a trip to Italy, it's distressing to land in Holland. Or if you've planned to spend your retirement going to grandkids' basketball games and swim meets, it's devastating to land in a hospital bed. That kind of pain doesn't just get flushed out by optimism or buried in denial. We carry that. But as Christian people, we also get to carry the assurance of God's unconditional commitment to abide with us, even in the darkest times. And God promises to see us through to light and life. That change of perspective from despair to hope is a tough pivot to make, for sure. But when we do hang in there long enough with faith to make that kind of a switch, the experience can be nothing short of remarkable. So let me illustrate that with one last poem. I don't know who wrote this poem. I guess when it's anonymous, we can all claim some kind of authorship. So listen to this. Nothing matters anymore. It is wrong to believe that something exists in this world besides pain and grief. I know we can't rely on anybody else but ourselves. It is a lie that we can be truly happy. It's kind of a depressing poem, actually. That is, until you stick with it and wrestle with it long enough to read it in reverse. If you look back and read the poem from bottom to top, it goes something like this. We can be truly happy. It is a lie that we can't rely on anybody else but ourselves. I know something exists in this world besides pain and grief. It is wrong to believe that nothing matters anymore. So, if you've recently found yourself wandering around in the wilderness, if some or all of your well-laid-out plans have suddenly fallen to the wayside and landed you in Holland instead of Italy, my prayer for you and for me is that we will fixate less on where we are and focus more deeply on whose we are, children of the Heavenly Father, siblings of the risen Christ, dependents on the Holy Spirit. There is no better way to travel and encounter those experiences we didn't plan or ask for than to go as companions with God. So let's journey further into Lent with God and with one another. Amen. Mercy, come.
Let's pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Dear friends, whether you're in the Quad Cities or Holland, at home or in the wilderness, I invite you to take a deep breath, maybe even several, and focus in that moment on whose you are rather than where you are. God's breath has been in and with this whole world since the very beginning, and that very all-powerful, all-loving Creator is with you too. Inhale that breath and Spirit of God, and as you exhale the very same breath, imagine the Spirit going out of you and navigating ahead of you, going through the wilderness and coming out the other side, where you too shall go in faith. Wherever you are in your life and your Lenten journey, may the God of glory dwell in you richly and shine brightly on your path. And the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.